0: Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and working our way through the final full week of January here all of a sudden. About a month out now of the early signing period, just about a week and a half away uh, from that traditional February signing day, which has certainly lost its luster over recent years. But, Sean, a big story in January has been Penn State welcoming recruits back to campus and getting on the road and checking out those recruits in person Getting to some schools all over the country. We've seen a lot of that during the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, we've seen uh, junior days on back-to-back weekends. Penn State had an official visitor in this weekend. Hunter Norzad, the Cornell transfer was up for for his visit, which huge, huge visit if you're looking at the the specter of the transfer portal for Penn State. But yeah, they they, they had another junior day, kind of an in-betweener, as we talked about before. Next weekend's list or this excuse me, this weekend's list, the 29th list, is shaking up to be or shaping up to be a really nice uh Really nice-looking list for Penn State. But this weekend, they got some guys on campus, a bunch of 2023s, some new offer 2024 kids. Um, So, yeah, it's just kind continuing to hit the ground running. The coaches are on the road once again. So January continues to be an active recruiting month.
0: Yeah, a b- bunch of coverage up on lines247.com uh, coming out of some of these visits uh, from this past weekend. There were some local guys, uh, like uh, Kenny Johnson, the receiver. And then you, you had, you know, again, some far range. You're going to have that again coming up here uh, this weekend as they get some non-regional guys to, to venture to campus. And we'll talk about NORZAD and that visit in a second, Sean. But um, Wan Slater, among those posting pictures from the road, he did so on Tuesday morning as we are still in hibernation mode here in Happy Valley. He's certainly not. A beautiful sunrise looked like uh, in in the state of Florida, which is where you often find Jayvon Sider when they, when they go on the recruiting hunt. Uh, he's with Anthony Poindexter. There is a wide cash. Uh, there is a wide net cast right now by Penn State. You've got some new coaches involved here. You've got some familiar coaches involved here. What is your read on on the January that Penn State has put together and their ability to go out and execute it?
1: Well, they've logged a ton of miles. I mean, you you look at, at their traditional recruiting zone, but they've expanded that. Obviously, if you have Jaywan Sider, you're recruiting Florida. He's down with Anthony Poindexter in in Fort Lauderdale, South Florida area, where he's accustomed to recruiting. Uh, Manny Diaz popped up in Tampa this morning uh, checking out schools. John Scott was in Tampa last week. Terry Smith gets down there, so Florida still a high priority. You know, hasn't wielded the numbers that you would you would have hoped, and obviously throwing a pandemic with no visits straight smack dab in the middle of it doesn't help. Um, but they're hoping to get some guys guys up uh, for, for more visits. And it's kind of like what we talked about with with John Walker and Derek LeBlanc, a couple of kids that were up last weekend from Central Florida. You're kind of setting the table for a June official visit, maybe, uh, you know, May, because because now the way that it works and I know people have kind of forgotten about this with the way things went last year. But that visit, that official visit window where you pay for their trips and they come up and the whole family comes up and everybody has a great time um, is April through uh, excuse me, April through June. Then you have the dead period in July dead period in August, essentially just that little window, that lash bash window at the end of July, and then you get back into the season. So this is your time to set the table. This is your time to get in and get your face uh, around. We saw James Franklin pop up, saw Tyler Johnson yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, excuse me, saw Tyler Johnson in Virginia yesterday, worked his way up. He's in Maryland today, was at good counsel this morning with the home of Neo Avery, um, who was up over the weekend uh, for, for that junior day. I, we kind of glossed over that junior day as my fault because you set me up and I just kind of threw it right back at you. But, yeah, a, a good bit of talent on hand. Uh, not, like I said, not uh, not the first weekend, not the last weekend. Um, but uh, you had Anthony Brown in the Minnesota commit. Talked to him a little bit this week. Um, you know, he likes what Penn State's saying. He still says he's solid to uh, Minnesota. He's also going to visit Purdue this weekend. So read into solid how you want to read into it. That's kind of what you've got right now. You mentioned Kenny Johnson, the wide receiver from Dallastown. Roden Hannafin was down uh, from Massachusetts. A pretty pretty impressive player. I don't know that he's, you know, the, the uh, one of the top guys on the board right now. It'll be interesting to see how that wide receiver board shakes out. I wrote that in our S zone the other day. There's a bunch of, um, you know, I don't want to call them no-brainers, but you got Rodney Gallagher out there. They really like Ajani Shakir in South Jersey. Um, national guys, Jalen Brown down in Florida is probably going to get up for a visit. He's a really highly regarded guy. So you've got those kind of guys, and then um, you know you've you've got a bunch of questions. Where does Johnson fit in? Where does Hannifin fit in? Uh, Anthony Brown, of course, was up, and and you're going to continue to host wide receivers now. Um, but you know, moving on, you got a couple guys from the Philly area, Austin Ramsey, who was a freaking house at you know six four three sixty um you know he was up this weekend kind of a pro, definitely a project there um from uh from roman catholic but uh you had him up i think the really the interesting one here um you know in the 2024 class peter jones the offensive lineman from malvern prep they had him on campus for for camp over the summer like what they saw they wanted to see some film on him and they offered him um this is a kid Grew up a Penn State fan. Don had an interview. Brian Doan had an interview with him the other day. Grew up a Penn State fan. I mean, you've got everything going for Penn State right now, just in terms of that. I don't, I don't want to do crystal balls for uh, 2024 prospects just yet because it's just it's a little bit early for that. And you know, guys we were talking about a year ago in the 2023 class might not be on the radar anymore. And you, you you'll have that in 2024. Kind of happens every year, but Peter Jones is is definitely a name to remember. You look at the offensive line class in 2024, and as I said, way too early to be talking and speculating on this, but you got Peter Jones at one end of the state, you got Cooper Cousins in Erie um, at the other end of the state. So a couple of early offer prospects for Penn State in the 2024 class on the offensive line. So uh, you're not where you want to be. Uh, offensive line recruiting, we've talked about that too many times, I guess. Right now, but you know you're you're setting yourself up, and there's certainly talent there in the next couple of classes in the region.
0: Peter Jones listed six foot four, two ninety, as that rising sophomore prospect at Malvern Prep. Big boy, of course, Lonnie, <laughs> yeah, Lonnie White signing with Penn State, uh, not signing with Penn State, but not ultimately enrolling because of the MLB opportunities he's he's had. But that's not in the, not too destined uh, past uh, relationship there with the Malvern Prep program uh, with that commitment. And, and Jones, as you said, uh, really making it clear with his interview with Brian Doan, this was the program that he was focused in on on saturdays growing up and and when you hear that right off the jump when an offer comes out yeah you you put yourself in a really good spot a long way to go with that group Uh, but if you can find premier talent or what you this the the, uh, determine is an offerable talent on the offensive front at this stage of the cycle and you find those guys here on home turf that's a good start. Uh, there were a couple of players who came in from Ohio. Tavion Galloway, who's been a, a bit of a more popular target now for Power 5 programs in that 24 class. Uh, and Jaden Ball, uh, both those players uh, out of the central Ohio area, made the trip last weekend. And, and as you said, uh, shaping up to be another strong uh, closeout to January here for Penn State and just reiterating the fact that These visits, coaches on the road, players coming to campus, they were completely off the table last winter because of the NCAA's response to the pandemic. And you're getting those full arsenal of official visits for the 2023 class, as Sean said, April through June. Last year it was, you got June, go make the most of it. And it was crazy. This time should be able to to get a little bit more of a uh, less of a scramble and more of a structured layout for the staffs, for the recruits. We would hope so. Sean, of course, the transfer portal now coincides with the recruiting trail. You can't really talk about one without talking about the other in roster construction. Penn State, very quiet so far compared to where they were last year at this time in the transfer market. One player on board at the wide receiver position. We've talked a lot about offensive line being a necessity. Uh, Hunter Norzad about a month ago, I suppose now at this point, popped up as a realistic viable option that continues coming up to campus this past weekend. You've been on this story for a while. Penn State picked up an Ivy League transfer last year. He ended up being their starting left guard. They have a need. How could Hunter Norzad address it? and Where does he stand right now in his decision timeline?
1: I think he could address it pretty well. He could be an interior guy for Penn State, even though he played tackle at, at Cornell. Um, this is a guy that they've identified as one of the top offensive linemen in, in in the portal, You know, regardless of your background, regardless of where you've played in the past. Um, Norzad is a guy that's turned some heads, and you look at what's still left there. He put out his top five, uh, which included Penn State, Iowa, Illinois, Auburn, and Virginia Tech. It sounds like two of those programs. sounds like Virginia Tech and Auburn sort of making their way out of the, the discussion. So you've got Penn State, You've got Iowa, who obviously their offensive line uh, pedigree is, is is quite good. Um, Kirk Ferentz is going to visit him this week, and you've got Illinois, which you know that that is an up and coming offensive line program with Bert, with, with Brett Bielema. Um, I almost slipped in said the wrong word for him um but uh that's a, that's an intriguing option for for a transfer they're gonna bring in a lot of transfers out there um but Penn State uh hosted him this weekend Sean Clifford, Juice Scruggs I mean they, th- they threw the book at him this weekend and hopefully uh for Penn State's sake when you need to patch holes in that offensive line you're gonna bring in a guy that's ready I think I think Norzat is is ahead of where Eric Wilson was uh, better than him and with the with the um you know with the the notation there that, that Eric Wilson didn't have a season because of the pandemic in 2020. So, you know, him coming and jumping right back into the big 10, probably not ideal, but I think Norzad can play at this level. Um, I, I I like him, uh, Tyler Steen, who we talked about before at Vanderbilt. I like Norzad a little bit better. I think he fits uh, as a plug and play guy a little bit more. Steen ha- has talent, um, but I, is he ready to start right away at Penn state? It's hard to say. Now, having said that they'll, take both of them if they can get them. I mean, Steen's been a guy that, that they've been, uh, they went down and saw last week, uh, last Monday. Uh, Norzad has, has of course been, I think the top target on the offensive lines from the outset. And he's got another visit for Iowa this week or this weekend, huge visit. Um, And then I think he makes a decision. I think it's one of those three big 10 programs and we'll see, uh, we'll see where Penn state comes out of that haze.
0: And while he's trying to, to sort through all of these options, which were not on the table for him coming out of high school, ended up at an Ivy league school, of course, uh, he's still working on that academic uh, stance at the Ivy league, getting a degree in mechanical engineering before he heads to his next stop. So a couple of things on the table for him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, but he's not looking, I I don't want to say this because this is probably, you know, not fair to a lot of the grad transfers, especially the Ivy league guys. He's not looking for a a great degree. He's not looking to go in and, and earn a master's or earn a a doctorate or whatever, and, you know, maximize his academic uh, proficiency. He already went to Cornell and got an undergrad degree. He's fine. Yeah. He wants to play in the NFL. He wants to come in. He wants to start. He wants to play. That's the outset or the outlook for the, a lot of these guys coming in. And if you're, you know, I know we've done this on our board a little bit, breaking down grad programs and stuff like that. It's kind of, kind of fruitless at this point. You know, he's he's looking to play football. He's looking to spend a year playing football and and then play at a professional level, which is pretty valuable in itself. I would say, you know, looking at some of those contracts. So, um, you know, you see a guy from Cornell and he's considering Illinois, Iowa, and Penn state. It's not it's not academic. It's it's I want to play football. I want to maximize my exposure and and get where I need to be. And that's we've seen that work out for for a guy like Arnold Abicati last year. So um, that's that's pretty much your most activity in the portal uh, right now. Uh, Steen is still an option. um, You know, beyond that, they're still looking at pretty much every guy that goes in. Love to get a pass rusher. Would love to get a a linebacker as well. Um, Still looking at receivers just to, you know, sort of as a best player available, best available option thing. But uh, that's kind of where you're at right now in the portal.
0: And Norzad uh, coming up on his decision again, um, completing that degree from Cornell, expected to do that late spring and then move on to, to the next level, uh, which is going to be the power five level. It certainly sounds like the Big Ten Conference based on the way this recruiting is shaping up. Um, Looking ahead, Sean, a little bit beyond, um, or or, sorry, looking backwards a little bit beyond into last week, um, Daniel George did hit the transfer portal. He's one of those names that we mentioned was omitted from the roster update last week. We were kind of going through that. Him, Cam Sullivan, Brown, no longer on the roster for the wide receiver group. Uh, Now, a little more clarity there. Daniel George hitting the transfer portal. He'll look to continue his career elsewhere. Two years of eligibility left. Redshirted in 18. uh, 2020 had the uh, NCAA's pandemic Uh, eligibility pause. But this officially does close the book on that 2018 class show. And I don't think we were expecting Daniel George to resurface on the roster once he was off of it. But now that he's looking ahead, him, Justin Shorter finished with fewer than 20 total receptions in their careers. And then you got Jahan Dotson, who blew up and, and had almost 200 total catches uh, for his career with the Nittany Lions. But man, it's just a different kind of, I guess, when you read the the final chapter and the final notes on this 2018 receiver class, really just turned out so far different than we thought it might. Jahan Dotson, a guy that had committed to UCLA as a senior, ended up working his way back to Penn State's class on signing day, um, kind of lost in the spotlight with, with Micah Parsons announcing his commitment to Penn State on the same day, uh, but shorter, George Dotson, all four-star prospects, they were followed to campus in that 2019 class by T.J. Jones uh, and John Dunmore out of Florida. Neither of them caught a pass, so you kind of look at, at the situation at wide receiver and understand where we are now, where it's it's the, the older guys are year three players, and then you're waiting for a bunch of freshmen and second-year players to step up. That's because you got nothing out of the 19 class, and, and in 18, Daniel George came in, Justin Shorter came in, Jahan Dotson came in. Dotson's on his way out for all the right reasons. And George, while I'm sure we can attest to to him being a strong teammate and all that, just never came together for him. We had floated around the idea of him playing defense, uh, but ultimately it just never seemed like he could take that next step. And and I was reminded that he started four games in 2019, and I'm reminded that Dan Chisena started games in 2019. And wow, that 2019 team that won 11 games – Uh, they'd love to swap that wide receiver group out for this one. I think all due respects to KJ Hamler, who was a total difference maker, but rooms come a long way under Taylor Stubblefield. And you kind of understand why it needed to, when you look back at what happened in those preceding recruiting classes. And and by the way, KJ Hamler kind of like John Dotson was really the lone man standing in his wide receiver class in terms of making that impact for this offense.
1: Yeah, they've been fortunate in that they've still been productive and especially at the top of that list with Dotson with Hamler. Um, you know, but they they haven't been the deepest unit. So they've gotten by, and that's kind of remarkable when you look at all the misses that they had. You go back there, you, you I mean, you still got uh Mac Hip and Hammer was through here and starting games as well. I mean, that 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 group has come a long way, but at the same time, there's still a long way to go. Um, and I, I think that's that's kind of crazy how that's played out. By the way, how how Big was that day for Penn State. Micah Parsons and, J- and Jahan Dotson. I had actually forgotten they were on the same day. Um that was that that's pretty insane when you think about it. potentially two first-round picks. As you see, Jahan um, you know, mocked in the back end of round one. Probably I, I would think he's the second an early second day pick, um, but mocked in the background or in the back of round one is not easy to say. Um, but no, <laughs> that's pretty insane right there. But yeah, I mean, you 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 know about the career was shorter, really talented kid, never came together. George. Was interesting because the the book on George coming out tremendous athlete physically I mean looked like um, he looked amazing Penn State actually had hoped that he eventually you know later in his career when it was apparent that it wasn't happening at receiver hoped he would flip over and play safety play linebacker or something like that but apparently he wanted to play uh, wide receiver didn't catch the ball. And that's, you know, that's sort of a step back when you're thinking about uh, playing about playing wide receiver, you know, there was a lot to, uh, a lot to develop there. I liked him a lot as a prospect. I thought he was going to be good. Um, You know, he's, he's still, he was not a guy that was going to come in and and produce day one. Um, But you know, once he worked on his route running, once he worked on the, the, the finer fluidities of the position thought he was going to be good, just did not, did not uh, turn out that way. You'll have that, uh, that position sometimes. Um, But yeah, just boiled down to him not being able to catch the ball consistently, which means he wasn't able to get on the field consistently Um, and and really just kind of, I don't want to call it a tailspin, but kind of drifted off there at the end of his career. So, um, you know, he's always been good to us. He's always been, you know, a good teammate and things like that, but uh, never lived up to that production that that we had forecasted for him back in the day. Um, And then I guess you could probably say that for the entire 2018 receiving class. Class, where you've got little to nothing out of Shorter, little to nothing out of George, and then a, an awesome career from Jahan Dotson. So that, that balances out a little bit, but still high hopes for that group. Didn't play out how uh, how people thought it would, including this coaching staff.
0: Fortunately for this coaching staff and, and fortunately for Taylor Stubblefield, who walked in to get this class, that 2020 group looking really strong right now, receiver between Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith, multi-year starters. And of course, Malik Mega, Jaden Dotton are the other two names that we've talked about. Mega is certainly making some strides late in the season here. But to follow up what you had in 2019 and what you didn't really get out of your 2018 class, that 2020 receiver group, really, really important for Stubblefield Field for Penn State right now. Um, And by the way, Daniel George, first career catch, 95 yards, record setter for Penn State in Beaver Stadium. Came from then backup quarterback Sean Clifford, 2018 against Kent State um ultimately though that was the only touchdown that Shoulder woods uh, that that george would score um over his career sean a few more notes here and then we we'll get to our mailbag a shorter episode this time around after a couple long ones last week you may have heard of the guy dennis then dennis sutton um he, he continues to make the case for himself to make a rise in upcoming 24 7 sports rankings update you know looking to final put the finishing touches on these rankings for the 2022 class and He may not have played a lot of football the last couple of years at high school, but he's been very involved at these showcase events. A couple of weeks ago in San Antonio for the All-America Bowl, and then out in Hawaii, lucky him, for the Polynesian Bowl. And it felt like every single day the reports from our 24-7 team out there were highlighting Mr. Dennis Sutton.
1: Yeah. You look at what he was able to do out in, or not only in, in Hawaii, but also San Antonio. And he's on the rise. You know, he's, uh, uh, our updated rankings are going to come out tomorrow on Wednesday. um, And I think he's going to be a guy that, that that moves up considerably. Um, And, rightfully so. I mean, this kid's awesome. He's he's a really really good prospect, really really great kid. Um, you know, he got 6'5, 260, moves really well, can be a you know, a pass rusher, can be a guy that plays the run. I think he can be a guy that plays early as well. He's physical uh and aggressive in there and you know, as I think the not the only knock on him was that he didn't get to play as much football as, you know, some of that out of his hands, some of it injury related as 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 we hoped he would over the last 2 years of high school, but He's one of those guys. He got up on that level with these top prospects nationally at the uh, uh, at the old Army game, the uh, the All American Bowl. San Antonio was fantastic. Did the same thing last weekend out in Hawaii. And I'm talking to um, Greg Biggins and, and Brandon Huffman, two of our guys that were out there in Hawaii. Drew the short stall, straw, had to go spend a week in Hawaii and cover that game. Um, they they were incredibly impressed with him, not only with his conduct off the field, which we've talked about several times. And we, we often lead with that because he seems like such a great kid. Um, but also he was still competing. He was still going at it hard. A lot of guys will go out there to a situation like, uh, like the Polynesian bowl and coast through the week, enjoy their time in Hawaii. And they have every right to do so. Um, but uh, Denai went out there, competed, did a great job. And I think you're going to see his ranking reflect
0: that when it comes out on Wednesday. That ranking for 24-7 sports right now, currently number 94 overall in the nation, the number 12 defensive lineman and the number one overall prospect out of the state of of Maryland. Composite-wise, he's number 58. Overall, but high four-star, we'll see how that's reflected. Again, some updates coming to those rankings on 24-7 sports on Wednesday. Keep an eye out for that. We'll, of course, put the spotlight on Penn State uh, rankings adjustments up on lines 247com Sean, you've been high on this guy for a while. And and just circling back to something you said about coming in and playing early, I, I think I mentioned this during our signing day show back in December, but James Franklin made it a point during his discussion of the nine Dennis Sutton during that press conference that he feels like he can come in here without the early enrollment head start and still play as a, as a true freshman. And when you're talking about a defensive lineman and a guy who hasn't played a ton of game reps in the last couple of years for James Franklin to go on the record and publicly state that says a lot about how they view him within that facility. And what you've seen these past few weeks, not only is it, wow, this kid's a heck of a football player. He could do a lot off the edge. He could move around in the defensive front. It's also he has the makings of a future captain. And when you can combine those two things, that's a good, that's a really strong start. And, and I'll give credit to those McDonough guys. They tend to have that blend based on those that we've encountered here at Penn State, of course, starting with PJ Mustafer
1: yeah he's he's not pj in terms of being a talker but he's going to be a lot like pj in terms of his personality showing through and things like that so um and, and you remember pj came in in may as well mcdonough does not allow uh, mcdonough does not allow early enrollees january kids or, or things like that but pj came in in may and, and played as a true freshman i would expect deny given what's in front of him at defensive end to 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 have a similar path uh maybe even a, a little bit clearer of a path to to come in and play right away so i'm really looking to see forward to seeing how this one developed as I said uh biggest win for James Franklin on the recruiting trail last year um and one of the biggest wins for James Franklin since he's been here you know he's been he's been a really really good uh it was a really really good win for him and I think it's going to pay off and uh hopefully we're talking about him and in, in this draft aspect uh you know a couple years down the line as well
0: looking quickly toward the 2023 recruiting cycle one more time here on this episode, Josiah Trotter, uh, the son of Jeremiah Trotter, former Philadelphia Eagles star with your Washington football team for a little while too during his pro career. Well, his next son up Josiah Trotter uh, announcing a handful of schools uh, remain in the mix for him. Virginia tech, West Virginia, Clemson, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Penn State—maybe a little more than a handful. We're talking about a top eight here. But when you're talking about a four-star out of Philadelphia, six foot two, two hundred and thirty-pound linebacker that Penn State moved on quickly after not offering his brother Jeremiah Trotter Jr., who's now with Clemson. Um, you know, this is a step toward deciding things. And, and I think when you talk about watching older brother go through it and having the dad who he has. You're not going to get much by in this recruitment. So certainly the diligence has been made. He's been on the road a lot. He's gotten up to Happy Valley a few times and Penn State still in the conversation here for Josiah Trotter, but they've got a lot of company.
1: Yeah, they certainly got a lot of company there. I'll, I'll be interested to see which schools out of that list end up do pushing or end up pushing for him. Um he's he's more of a traditional Mike, six two, two, twenty-five. Um, he's bigger than his older That's kind of the, the crazy thing. You remember uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., as you mentioned, went to Clemson, was a five-star prospect, I think, by the composite. Um, Penn State didn't even offer, which was crazy uh, to think about that as a kid in your backyard, even though you had concerns about his size, you had concerned about his projectability and things like that. Typically, those guys at least get an offer. Um, but uh, Josiah Trotter was offered back in May. He's been on campus a few times. He went to the whiteout last year, so he's been up plenty of times um, you know, th- we go back to Penn State's philosophies on uh, recruiting linebackers. I'm curious to see if it changes with Manny Diaz. Um, you know, you you saw for years, they just want to recruit outside linebackers and, and get as athletic as they could possibly get, and then figure out who can play inside from that. Um, you know, it's worked well at times, it's, it's not worked well at times. Um, and you kind of find yourself in, in one of those waves where it's not working well right now, because you've got a couple of, of uh, you know, Brandon Smith is gone, Ellis Brooks is gone, you've got to replace some starters. So you <laughs> Um, some good targets out there on the board. I know Tony Ro- Rojas is, is going to be on campus this weekend from Virginia. It's a guy that really liked a lot. He's one of those athletic guys that plays on the outside. Grant Tucker's a guy that fits that mold from uh, from North Carolina. And, of course, Tamir Robinson. Is is Tamir Robinson a linebacker? Is he growing out of that position? You know, there's there's questions there. So um, a bunch of linebackers on this board, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it shakes out because it's not uh, it's not very cut and dry. It's not the same. You know, Brent Prye's approach was – Um, you know, as we spoke about a little bit ago, you know, kind of avoiding guys like Josiah Trotter, Trotter, trying to avoid, excuse me, I am dying today and I'm, i apologize to our listeners um but guys like phil pesciotti those those middle linebacker types is those, those true mike types and, and and i think you need those types um but you need more of the athletic guys that can spread them out and, and play all over the field like a curtis jacobs things like that so uh very curious to see where this linebacker board goes which direction um penn state goes with some of these prospects uh you know like trotter and 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 see where they stand on the board
0: well trotter was uh, down in blacksburg with brent pry last weekend for virginia Tech's Junior Day, and he came home with an offer and quickly included them in within his top eight. So Brent Pry putting his team in play here a, a bit for Josiah Trotter um, with his recruitment and Sean. We've got our five star mailbag to get to. I, I think that's going to cover it. We'll, we'll do another longer look uh, at this upcoming weekend on our sec- on our second episode this week as Penn State gets ready to welcome more recruits to campus. Uh, but it's five star mailbag time and it takes us back to the current roster. Here's the question. Now that we seem to know which players are leaving and staying for Penn State in 2022, which positions look like the most complicated to address Uh, the first part of that, yeah, I think I think we finally have answers uh, to to pretty much whatever questions we had in terms of who was staying, who was going. We're going to see more transfers coming out of spring ball, I would imagine, but maybe not so much the guys we're looking at to solve the uh, the, the replacement issues. So, Sean, where do you land on here? Because you can go in so many different directions. Uh, you've got stars, all Big Ten status guys leaving. You've got depth concerns in other areas. What immediately, I guess, stands out as particularly complicated.
1: Well, I think this is the first time we've mentioned this group here, but I think the running backs are the one that you, you turn to immediately. And uh of course you had Noah Kane leave, Kevon Lee's still there, uh Devin Ford's still there, but you wonder how he fits in the equation because Aya Holmes is back on campus for the spring. And then you've got the freshman in there as well. So um with, with Nick Singleton and K Tron Allen, I think that's an incredibly interesting position when you take into account that young guys can play and young guys can thrive in that position. And Singleton is a guy that, you know, is comes in with uh, as accomplished or more accomplished. Than any other running back that they've been able to bring in. And that's that includes guys like Miles Sanders, who was a top running back. That includes uh Saquon Barkley. So uh we'll see how that plays out. Uh, he's an impressive physical kid. And I think he's a guy that's built. And and this is probably my concern with Nick Singleton, is is he built closer to his ceiling than he, you know, physically? Because he's he's a monster. Just you know, it's the squats, the deadlifts, all this kind of stuff. And and you know, Dana Grodstrand really built him up pretty well. How close is he to being the peak? Athlete that he can be—that's the question that I have about Nick Singleton. But on, on the on the flip side, does that mean he's ready to play right away? Does that mean he can play, um, you know, as a true freshman? So I think that's very fascinating. Uh, Kevon Lee, uh, you know, has, has been up and down in his career, and you know, maybe it's time that that he thinks he's the number one. It's his time to shine, and and maybe he takes it and runs with it. So I think running back is is always going to be intriguing. Um, there's one ball to go around. There's there's not uh, not guys that or guys don't stick around to, for four or five years to figure out if they can eventually be that guy. So it's an, it's an amazing dynamic when you look at this roster, especially um, you know with with Noah Kane clearing it out a little bit, that, that running back is going to be really interesting this spring.
0: And, yeah, and, and Devin Ford, Kaziah Holmes, where do they see themselves? Where does J-1 Sider see them? What does that whole scenario look like when we get through mid-late April, um, and, and how does that maybe contribute to what the running back room looks like? A lot of fascinating stuff. Uh, we were having a different conversation last year. God, there's so many talented players. How can get in the, get the ball to all of them? How can you feed all of them? Now it's like, can you find your bell cow? And you know, can you find that one a one b situation that you just couldn't identify last season? A lot goes into you it. Commit I, I did, to him. yeah. Can <laughs> you commit to it? Of course, yeah. And that, that's that's the question. We've seen this team burn red shirts for freshmen. It happened for Ricky Slate a few years back. It happened for Noah Kane and Devin Ford back in 2019. Uh, didn't need to happen in 2020, but it ultimately would have if, uh, with Givon Lee and Kazai Holmes. He didn't sign a freshman last year. But the track record says Penn State's ready, willing, and able to do that. And I think they've got the the talent that you'd expect at least one true freshman redshirt to be burned, if not both, over the course of this 2022
1: season. And, um, and those and those true yeah. freshmen don't come into redshirt. You know, when you're recruiting right. the top running back in the country, the number seven recruiting, whatever K-Tron Allen is, they're not coming in here to sit for a year. Um, you know, kudos to Keziah Holmes for, you know, taking a step back and essentially taking a redshirt year and then sticking with it and staying at Penn State because that's not an easy thing to do especially at that position, excuse me. Um, so yeah, they're not coming into red shirt. So I think that's an interesting one. As I continue to trample on you and try to talk, I apologize for that. I'm, a, I'm off my game today. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> You're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. The, the, the area I'm looking at is how about the specialist room? Because you got three jobs that someone's got to take over. And I know that Jake Pinneger. um, Took the job back as play late in the year. Um, didn't get the results you were looking for in Tampa when that happened. But uh, I guess Jake Picker, Jake Pinniger won that job, or or Jordan Stout lost it uh, over the course of the year. Uh, but you still need to replace a punter that was at the highest level of the sport. And oh, by the way, he replaced a punter who was really special too. So you've got what five, six, seven years of sustained. High quality punting. And I know 2019 was or 2020 wasn't nearly as strong for Stout in that department as it was in 2021, but I think that's the position that I look at. And additionally, um, you know, you're gonna have to, to replace uh, a, a kickoff specialist. So the, across the board here, you've you've got a new special teams coordinator, you've got the the true freshman now, redshirt freshman uh in Sanders Zahedak, and you've got this fifth-year senior and Jake Pinneger back on board. Um, To me, it's the kind of conversation that people don't focus on until like week two, three, four, when all of a sudden punts are flying out of bounds and you're losing the field (laughs) position battle. And so I think, you know, I'm just going to get ahead of that now and point to that room, the specialist room at all, because Jordan Stout wore so many hats. And while he was not a world class play certainly was among the best of the best as a punter and, and just consistently pounding teams with touchbacks as a kickoff specialist.
1: Yeah, and I noticed you you neglected to mention the centerpiece of that unit is back and Chris Stoll. He's back, Chris Stoll. So, yep. yes, uh, no, it'll be interesting to see. You wonder if if they're going to use the act to bomb some kickoffs, Pinniger to to kick the field goals an extra point, and and if Bucetta can come in and, and take that punting job and seal it up for four. I mean, how how spoiled has Penn State been that they've had guys that are long term starters at that position? Can Bucetta be that guy? Um, so I, I, I agree with you there. It's, you know, it's, it's probably not the answer people are looking for, because as you mm. mentioned, you don't usually have that conversation until they start missing or, or things like that. Um, but yeah, I think there's plenty of, I, I mean, you could definitely say this for, um, you know, a defensive end for linebacker is going to be a, a spot that that's safety spot opposite Jair Brown. I mean, the, all over the defense, you can have this conversation and how does that receiver room play out? So, uh, the offensive line is a conversation and we're just not going to really touch right now because we don't need to, to add another 10 minutes to this podcast. Um, but yeah, I think there's a bunch of a bunch of places. But yeah, that specialist room is, is going to be overlooked. And you got a new special teams coordinator. That means he wants to see his guys and, and see what uh, what he can possibly do and, and change some things up. And I'll add to your Excuse me, I'll add to your specialist conversation with a returner question. I mean, Penn State's return game was non-existent this year. How does, uh, how do they, how do they address, how does Stacey Collins address that? Um, How is he going to make this, uh, you know, a a unit worth fearing? Because right now, you know, they they, they had some really good, some peak specialists at at certain spots, but the return game was not one of them.
0: Yeah, a great point there. And I, I don't know how the freshman will factor in. Caden Saunders is on campus already. Omari, Omari Evans has elite speed. Cam Miller, uh, I think, could probably contribute as a, as a return man. But, uh, you know, he's not getting to campus till later in the year. Yeah, so special teams, of course, uh, get gets a rare spotlight here. And by the way, one of the podcast questions, uh, or one of the mailback questions for the podcast, I didn't throw in here, but you mentioned it. What do we have to do to get my man Chris Stoll on the pod is a question that surfaced in the last 48 hours uh, on Apple Podcasts. So you're in charge of figuring that one out, Mr. Fitz.
1: All right. We can do that. I think that's a, I mean, he'd have to clear his schedule, obviously he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of media yes. opportunities available to him. Hey, by the way, I got a, a DM question and I apologize. I haven't gotten back to it yet, but asking us where we put those uh, or where we get those questions from, it's from the Apple podcast reviews. So if you're going to leave a five-star mailbag question, go to Apple podcast, uh, leave a five-star review, leave your question in there. That's where we pull those things from. I got to actually respond to that after we get off of here. So I apologize to the listener and reader that sent that in, but check out our Apple reviews and, and, and give us that five-star review while you're at it, because it really helps us out with visibility, really helps us out with our, with our product and in continuing to improve our product at Lions 24-7 Podcast.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll be back later in the week with another one. Take a look towards a busy recruiting weekend for Penn State, whatever's happening in the transfer portal, breaking news at services. We'll get to that and more. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Be sure to follow us on on YouTube on our page, Lions 24-7. On behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler. Have a great day. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast.